This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Good morning. I'm Roshan Kanitsen and welcome to Open for Business. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a problem with electronics in my cupboard. I currently have a 12-year-old iMac that's sitting there collecting dust. The big question is, what do we do with our electronics once they're dead and gone? How do we responsibly dispose of them? Because e-waste is becoming a big issue. Since 2010, Statista data shows that the volume of e-waste generated globally has been steadily rising. And by 2019, approximately 54 million metric tons was produced. That's an increase of 44 million metric tons in just five years. Of this, only 17% was documented to be collected and properly recycled. So Clearly, e-waste is becoming an increasing concern as the improper disposal and recycling of e-waste can lead to severe environmental consequences. Enter Electronic Recycling Through Heroes, or more commonly known as Earth, E-R-T-H. This startup was founded in 2019 by husband and wife team Mohamed Motarek Al-Fatadri and Nahid Badir el in a bid to address this issue. And four years in, they hit a milestone earlier this month when they joined the ranks of other startups supported by the Kazana National Bank, Gobi Dana Impact Ventures Fund. On the back of this recent funding round, we speak to co-founder, who is more commonly known as Mo, about the new funding and how it'll be utilised, the profitability of this business, and I look back to how the founders took this business from an idea to helping divert more than a million kg of e-waste from landfills. Mo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. How are you feeling today? You're looking very dapper in your suit here. Thank you very much. I look great and the weather is great today. Is this uh, is this your standard operating procedure? You wear a suit everywhere you go? Uh, it's not every day that I come to BFM, you know, big fan. So it was a special <laughs> occasion for me. <laughs> uh, Mo, you've done a lot of work, you and your wife, over the last uh, few years. So since 2019, Earth has di- helped divert a million kg of e-waste from landfills. That's roughly equivalent to 10 Boeing 737s. Um, Safe to say, that's a great achievement and a testament <laughs> to the good work you all are doing. Thank you. Um, my question here, though, is how did you get into this in the first place? Why did you feel the need to address the growing concern that is e-waste? That's uh, that's actually a great question. Um, so I actually got into this business by by mere chance. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. Uh, you know, I spent most of my life in Finland. I moved there when I was a teenager. You know, Finland is ranked uh, consistently one of the uh, top 10 cleanest countries in the world. Uh, there is a great... Uh, recycling culture. Uh, every uh, sort of condo has like nine separate bins uh, <laughs> to separate different types of uh, of waste. Uh, surprisingly, though, none of them uh, is e-waste. Uh, e-waste there is recycled only uh, by taking it to the retailer or actually going to the recycling center where you have to pay uh, to dispose it. So, oh. uh, so I was running a, a company uh, back in 2016, uh, which was focused on deploying solar energy uh, and lithium battery systems in off-grid villages in Africa. Uh, and uh, at, at that time, you know, in 2016, we won a very prestigious innovation award, the TEDx Amsterdam. And then uh, the prize was to meet the biggest investors in the world in order to deploy this system at a large scale. So I remember my projections, you know, in year three, deploy a thousand systems, year five, 10,000 systems. And certainly there's like more than a billion people in Africa without electricity. So there would be this kind of demand. So one investor threw me a curveball question and he was like, 
like, uh, how long does your system last? And I was like, you know, in best case scenario, about 25 years. So he was like, can you commit that you're going to uh, go around to the 10,000 villages and collect back the old systems? And I was like, oh, that's a tremendous cost. Of course, I can do that. He said, well, in that case, you are solving a 25-year problem, the, the, the electricity problem, but, but creating a 250-year e-waste problem. Mm-hmm. Because once you contaminate, your system breaks down, contaminates the water and, and, and the soil and the air in those villages, um, you know, they're going to be far worse off than they are now without, uh, without electricity. So that is the thing which really, you know, stuck in my mind. Until, until a year later, 2017, when I actually met Nahed, you know, I met her in Silicon Valley. We were both attending a conference organized by uh, President Obama, and, and uh, we just started talking. And I was like telling her, you know, one investor told me the story, and then she was like, oh, yeah, uh, she was a social entrepreneur. She worked with NGOs and marginal communities and so on. So she told me, yes, uh, waste management is one of the you know, worst problems because, you know, all the, the people who, you know, overconsume and, and, and uh, dispose improperly usually dump it on in the areas that are occupied mm. by, you know, kind of a B40 type of communities. Not, not everyone is keeping their IMAX in their closet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have open burning, you know, you have children complaining about the white smoke, you know, coughing yeah. at night and stuff. So she she echoed that this is really a problem. And then, you know, when we got married later that year, we started to see, okay, where can we actually contribute to solving this problem? Until a strike of luck in uh, the beginning of 2018, China passed a new law where they banned the import of e-waste from around the world. And at that time, I remember I read the National Geographic article saying that Malaysia was one of the top recipients of the e-waste that used to go to uh, China. Good times. When so, Malaysia reaches the news, it's always something <laughs> like that, isn't it? So, so, I was, so, so I looked at Nahed and I was like, hey, you've been to Malaysia before. I've been to Malaysia before. We both love the country. Why, what, what do you say? We take two weeks, you know, fly there, Airbnb. We just, just explore whether there is something we can do about this. Because mm. th- there seems to be where the problem we're trying to solve, you know, is happening there. Let's just go there and do it. So during those two weeks, we just went around all the, you know, the Loyard Plaza, the digital mall, talking to the to the people here. Where do you dispose? Where do you dispose? And finally, we met a gentleman uh, who was um, very excited when I told him I, I came from Finland. He opened a storage <laughs> uh, in, the, in the Loyard Plaza full of 4,000 uh, broken Nokia phones. And he was like, you I've been holding on to these forever. I want to dispose them, <laughs> but I can't find anywhere to dispose properly. So I told him, okay, you know, I'll take it off your hands. I bought the entire pile for a thousand US dollars. And then I Googled the Jabata Alam Sekitar list of uh, licensed recyclers. And I took a grab from Loya Plaza to the recycler, gave the stuff for recycling, and I earned two thousand dollars on the same day. This is the start of the business. This is the start of the business. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, before we dive into that a little further, yeah. the inception story there. What were uh, you gave us a bit of that, a lot of that background, right? What you were yeah. doing before this, what your wife is, was doing before this. How has how have your respective backgrounds played into the building of Earth? So, um, you know, in my 20 years as an entrepreneur, I was uh, mostly during that time, like, let's say for about 15 years, uh, purely like sort of a fiscal growth minded mm-hmm. entrepreneur. I was just wanted to flip the company, you know, make an exit unicorn and then next and the next and the next. Uh, but then, you know, around around 2015, I, you know, I went back for for a business degree. You know, I was taking a break between companies. And and then I, I just started to have this uh, epiphany that I want to do something related to sustainability. There seems to be like a lot of demand 
demand for that. There's a lot of money coming into that. And also climate change. I mean, climate change, we even feel it in Finland. You know, when yeah. I went to Finland, you know, like September, October, you already have like 20 centimeters of snow. Now the snow doesn't come even sometimes until January. So it's, wow. it's, it's you could really feel the difference of climate change over there. So, uh, so, so that's why I wanted to go into sustainability. Nahed, on the other hand, uh, she was always uh, working with um, uh, sort of uh, women-led businesses. She was uh, training, um, you know, um, uh, vulnerable communities on, uh, for example, uh, making food, uh, catering business, uh, selling it uh, to companies and so on. Uh, you know, something akin to, let's say, Picha Eats, but in, mm-hmm. in Egypt. And that was the grounds uh, upon which they invited her to the Global Entrepreneurship uh, Summit in Silicon Valley. And, and I was there representing my solar business. Um Well, we've got to go into a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk about the early days, how you turned that $1,000 to $2,000 flip into a business. That's the most challenging part about building this business, but also the growth ahead for Earth. Folks, I've been speaking with Mohamed Motarek El-Fatadri. He's the co-founder of Electronic Recycling Through Heroes, or more commonly known as Earth. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Breaking Financial Matters, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Hey, folks, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandison, and this morning I've been speaking with Mohamed Mo Tariq El Fatatri. He's the co founder of Electronic Recycling Through Heroes, or more commonly known as Earth. Um, since 2019, they've helped, put, they've helped divert the equivalent of 10 Boeing 737s away from landfills here in Malaysia. Um, you gave us a bit of a sense earlier, more of the business, how this started. And really, as you put it earlier, it was a strike of luck when China banned imports of plastics. You saw Malaysia in the news because of all the plastic waste we were getting. You came here, you bought $1,000 worth of Nokia phones from a random person at Laoyat, mm-hmm. and you sold that at the eBay Center for 2000 That's the genesis of this business. So talk to us about how you took that and built it into what it is today. So we realized uh, during that transaction uh, something very important. The waste generator is always there. I mean, just look at the amount of electronics coming into the market every year. Mm. The uh, the licensed recyclers are already there. I mean, they've invested millions into their facilities. They've complied with all the regulations. There is a list of them on the Jabata Alam Sekitar website. But there is still a missing link. Because how will that recycling center have a representative standing, you know, right there at that shop lot at the right moment when that uh, dealer wants to wants to sell the devices? It, it doesn't exist, right? So this missing link... Uh, causes a lot of the e-waste to fall through the cracks into, uh, you know, the regular uh, leg- regular dump or or even go to the informal sector. You know, let's say the uncle who collects the newspaper yeah. also takes your, you know, metal scrap or whatever. So, um, so, so that is that is a problem. There is a missing link. So we were like, okay, how do we create that missing link? How do we be? How can we be a perpetual buyer to anyone who wants to sell, and also a perpetual seller to a- anyone who wants to who buy, i.e., the processors, the licensed processors. So we had to, um, you know, set up set up that. Um, in, in the beginning, we were just operating as Bluebee Technologies. The, uh, the name Earth wasn't there yet. The name Earth came a few months later hmm. when when I started, you know, like opened the the, uh, the line for people to 
basically request a free pickup from their home. And I, I rented a car and I was going around, you know, collecting it and then selling it to the proper recyclers. Then I was like, okay, look, if I get like 10,000 orders a day, there is no way, not even me, not even the big companies can actually handle it, even with a big fleet of drivers. We really need to, uh, you know, Uberize it. We need to have freelancers help us. So you were doing the unscalable at start. You In the were, beginning, You yes. were just showing that there's a, there's a market here, people want this. You were doing the unscalable before you tried to figure out how to scale the business up. Yes, that's right. So 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 uh, me and I had needed to figure out whether that strike of luck, the first transaction, $1,000 to $2,000, was that just a, like a one-off lucky shot or is that a repeatable? So, mm-hmm. so the first few months, you know, like uh, from September 2018 until December 2018, we were just kind of convincing ourselves that, no, this actually happens every day. Every day there is a different dealer, a different shop, a different home that wants to discard. And sometimes they need to do it with urgency. Sometimes they need to hand the keys to the landlord or something like that. And then suddenly they remember that, oh, wow, I have a full storage room <laughs> of electronics I need to get rid of. So that is the moment when if you don't show up, you know, on demand, definitely that stuff is going to end up in the trash yeah. and probably eventually in the landfill. Well, one of my uh, concerns with uh, giving up electronic waste is always the data in my hard drive, which I can't access because the computer is dead yeah. or old. How do you deal with that concern? That's a great question. So first of all, uh, I'm happy to say that Malaysia in the last three years has gone through a massive transformation of converting a lot of informal sector collectors. Mm-hmm. Like back back then, there wasn't something called authorized collector. There was mm-hmm. just either a processing plant or an informal sector. So the Jabhat al-Alam Sekitar uh, created this authorized collector there's now 119 of them. We were in the first five to get that status. And we have to follow, uh, you know, strict SOPs as to how, where the where the material that we collect goes, how do we handle it, including, uh, of course, the data. However, I, I would like to remind the public that, you know, your data is just an extension of you. You would never, uh, for example, leave your, your wallet or your personal belongings, you know, out, uh, out uh, unattended and mm-hmm. then, you know, expect, you know, someone else uh, to have the responsibility to protect you. So so I still encourage the public uh, because we can secure the items from the moment they enter our door. But let's say that there is a a theft or or the item is lost on transit because, Uh. you know, so so that's why it is safest for every individual to wipe their own data before they hand uh, the the device over. But if they do hand it to us and it does reach us, we and the 119 uh, authorized collectors, we will uh, follow the proper procedure to ensure that your data never falls in the wrong hands. So you've got multiple uh, things going on here, right? So at one point, you're trying to source the supply of this e-waste. You're then selling it over to other businesses. You've got managed concerns like data. You've got to acquire customers. Um, what, and it, you have to build all this up, right? You have to show that there was a market for this and that you could scale it up. Along the journey, what would you say has been the most challenging part of building Earth? So, uh, believe it or not, uh, so as I said, you know, the demand is there from both sides. uh, And we are a multi-sided platform in between just uh, connecting the dots. But I would say that the biggest burden we have is actually our marketing and promotion budget. Mm. Because you still don't have a culture of recycling. You still have the people who think that it's easier to just throw my old electronics in the trash or the refuse room or 
more to you know sell it to to the local scrapyard uh, than than to follow the proper procedure. So uh, changing that mindset is actually very costly for a startup like us. Like if you look at our budget, we have a six-figure budget for for our marketing and promotion, and that budget comes straight out of out of our bottom line. So if we don't have hmm. to, to to spend that, you know, we we could enjoy you know gross margins upwards of sixty percent. Wow. Uh, but now we have to take you know a lot of uh, a lot of our profits and actually um, you know uh, funded fund back our awareness building, our marketing promotion. So that would be that, that's why I, I love things like this because I think that um, you know after this interview, probably a lot of people start thinking about it, and those are people that I would have otherwise had to spend you know per click to actually you know get them to recycle. You talked a little bit about your margins there, and the, one of the levers here that's going to really turn that is how much you spend on marketing. So you talk about if you minimize that, it's about 60% gross yeah, margins, yeah. which is very impressive. But again, that can change very quickly if you yeah. need to up the marketing budget to acquire more customers. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about Earth's business model here. Give us a sense of how you generate revenue. So uh, we have been cash flow positive from year two. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the the recent funding round, we didn't raise it because it was a necessity. We raised, uh, raised it uh, strategically in order to uh, accelerate the growth. Uh, in fact, the, 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 we raised some money in 2021 from Scale Up Malaysia and Quest Ventures in Singapore. Uh, when we uh, signed this investment this year, we actually still had that money from 2021 in the bank. So, mm. uh, so, so, so this is a purely a strategic play we want to this is fuel uh, on the fire exactly sort of exactly we just want to increase our footprint to uh, for, for the on-demand pickups to entire peninsula right now we had the entire peninsula for businesses but not for the on-demand so now we are uh, launching uh, like one city per month mm-hmm. uh, already last month uh, we launched jb this month we launched penang and then you will see uh, uh, one city uh, a month for the next 10 that's months that's where the dana impact funds are going towards exactly. expanding your business state by state um but when it comes to the business model itself, that that margin that you're getting, yeah. uh, more, where is that coming from? You're buying on one side and selling on the other side. That's where the margin's coming from. <clears throat> Not exactly. Uh, so, so actually, first of all, you know, we are a multi-sided platform. We collect a lot of stock. When that stock comes to us in our physical possession, that is our chance to wipe the data. That is our chance to check it and grade it. So we have mm-hmm. three grades: grade A, reusable; grade B, repairable; and grade C, recyclable. The recyclable stuff, of course, goes straight to the licensed processor and we actually don't make any money on that. That's about 80% of the volume that we collect, actually. We don't make any money on that. But for the repairable stuff, you have spare parts. You can get uh, like 10 times as much as you paid for the spare parts. Huh. And the reusable stuff, you can get 20 times as much as you paid for the uh, for the reusable stuff. So that is actually where we can generate, you know, cover the losses uh, from the, the grade C material uh, and, and, and then use the profit to fuel the business further. So the revenue you're generating, generating here is from the extraction of spare parts that can then be sold to other businesses that need it? Uh, we don't uh, sell it to them like they don't pay upfront. Okay. Uh, we operate on a revenue share model. Mm. So we have like many dealers who just come and we have a, a long-term relationship with them. They pick some stock from the grade B, from the grade A. Then uh, they have 90 days uh, to repair them. They have 90 days to sell them through their own channels. And then uh, they will share uh, the proceeds. Um, you know, uh, out, we get a lion's share. We get uh, the bigger share out of the out of the cut. Uh, but, uh, but basically it's a model that works and they like it because they don't have to fork the money up front. So that means that you can uh, bloom like a thousand partners that are all uh, repairing and selling your material through their old channels without them having to have uh, startup capital. Now, the thing with having so many 
partners and dealers like that is, you know, if it's an on-demand situation, it may not have that kind of control over how much they sell. Do you have incentive programs to get them to, you know, turn over quickly? Yeah, of course. So, of course, the, uh, in the 90 days, uh, since they take the stock, they repair it, they spend their own, you know, resources and the, their own warehouse and so on. They have 90 days. If they don't sell it, they return it to us. Of course, they, they return it to us in a repaired condition. So mm-hmm. they would, in a sense, lose the labor that they have uh, spent in order to uh, make it repairable, uh, re- repair it. Uh, and then we can actually, uh, in the worst case scenario, hand it over to like another dealer who is kind of their competitor, and then they were the, the ones who would sell it straight without repairing it. So, so, so that's why they have every incentive to try to, you know, uh, sell wh- whatever they have. Actually, so far it has never happened that they have returned the stock after ninety days. They've been able to sell it. Yes. Um, where is Earth now in terms of uh, revenue generation? So uh, we actually grew uh, by 15 times from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. Uh, we are generating uh, seven-figure revenue. Uh, we have very aggressive plans. We want to return to the same kind of growth that we have enjoyed in the early years. Actually, uh, in 2023, uh, partly because we were uh, engaged, of course, in in a long you know due diligence process and and, and the funding and so on, and we also uh, went uh, through an exercise of completely digitalizing our back end. So in the past, you know, in the beginning, you grow so fast, you don't have time to think of, you know, your back end, you still yeah. have like a million WhatsApp groups with all the drivers, <laughs> and you just send the driver a message and all the other drivers see it as well, and, and so on. So 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 now those days are gone, we actually spent like an entire year uh, with uh, our our partner Maxis, I mean, we, we're using technology from them, uh, they they basically um, uh, power our our back end, uh, which provides real time monitoring of the entire drivers as well as the stocks and, and everything. So that process took a year and it, and it just increased our productivity by 10 times uh, just like that. Just through digitaliz- uh, digitalization. Just basic digitalization. And uh, how did you get rid of all those WhatsApp groups? I'm uh, asking for a friend. So, so, so basically right now what, what every driver has when you onboard as a, as a hero, uh, you basically get our backend app. Uh, that is where you see all the jobs that are only uh, for you. So the system ha- checks where is your location and you are the most suitable uh, hero for that job. So mm-hmm. they will show you all the jobs that are for you. And it also gives you a way to quickly uh, feed back the data that we require for our regulatory compliance, because we want to know what have you collected? How much have you paid? Um, uh, what is the weight of the items? What is the breakdown of the items and so on? So before that, it used to have a lot of you know text typing mm-hmm. while you're driving is very complicated. Now we just have a simple app and they just snap photos and they feed the data. And all the data is now aggregated in the back end, which allows us to comply with Jabhat Alam Sekitar very smoothly. Well, we got to go into a few more messages and then the 10.30am news bulletin. But when we come back, we'll talk about what are your expectations for growth ahead, how the funding has been allocated, as well as a sense uh, for the long-term profitability and where this business can go. Folks, I've been speaking with Mohammed Mo, Tariq El-Fatadri. He's the co-founder of Electronic Recycling Through Heroes or Earth. Uh, I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Business-filled minds, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Hey, folks, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandesan, and this morning I've been speaking with Mohammed Mo Tariq El Fatadri. He's the co founder of Electronic Recycling Through Heroes or Earth. Um, 
more earlier, we were talking about the revenue growth, how much you've grown the business, how you were on the ground uh, as an original hero of building this business. Um, you've seen 15x growth since the 2019, since We're pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, yeah. And uh, you're about seven figures in revenue right now. What are your expectations for growth for 2023 and beyond? So, so as I said, you know, 2023, we were mostly engaged in uh, digitalizing our back end as well as, of course, closing the funding round. So a lot of the management team were occupied and our team was actually quite small. I mean, we doubled our team size in the last two months uh, from five people to 10 people. And, and uh, in the beginning of the year, we were even less than five. So, um, so the growth for 2023 is not uh, as strong as uh, our ambitions. But I think uh, when the funding really kicks in, we start to roll out the new branches. So I think the real growth will start in 2024, 2025. Uh, so we're looking at uh, mid seven, seven figures next year and then uh, hopefully start to crack uh, the eight figures the year after that. Um, so uh, we're very excited about this funding. I think um, we could not have found better investors. And by this funding, you mean the Kazana National Backed Gobi Dana Impact Ventures Fund, correct? Absolutely. So 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 whether it's Gobi Partners, uh, uh, you know, a, a fund that has nurtured more than 10 unicorns uh, in their 20-year history, uh, or, of course, uh, the Kazana National Dana Impact, you know, with all the six pillars that they're uh, spending, you know, six billion on. And uh, Earth, by the way, touches upon three of those pillars. So uh, I actually want to send a message to my fellow entrepreneurs. I think a lot of people don't realize how big of a deal this is. You know, 10 years ago in Finland, I've seen something similar happen. At that time, we didn't have any unicorns, uh, you know, as a nation. We're a small nation. Uh, funding was not strong, etc. And then the full force of the government went behind a group of students who started something called the Startup Foundation, which was uh, organizing events like Slush and so on. And, and now, if you look 10 years later, Finland has uh, produced several unicorns and even one DECA unicorn, you know, like a 10 billion plus company. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to realize that we are really at the dawn of something really huge. I think that this effort definitely will, in the next you know five to 10 years, yield uh, multiple unicorns and this is a great time to be an entrepreneur so if you're thinking about it you know just do it and and, and get started it's a great time that's great to hear uh, Mo um, with the funding you've mentioned quite a few times that you're expanding right yeah. Um, you're going to be looking at building more outlets over the next 12 months. Yeah. You have one in JB. You're looking at, I think, one in Penang, uh, Penang as well. Penang launched, yes. Um, how much will each new outlet factor into revenue growth? How important is this to your growth? It is actually very, very important. In fact, we are, in a sense, you know, like expanding, but at the same time also like kind of buying growth because, yeah. because you know, like the growth uh, in that a new outlet. physical presence is important. Exactly. What we have seen, you know, like uh, 15x growth in two years on, on our first branch, uh, you know, it, that we're counting on, on, on the fact that we can repeat that in every new branch that we open uh, and, and maybe even faster because now we have the digitalization uh, effort uh, ongoing and we have more experience. We have an impressive portfolio of customers. We have more than 6,000 customers, uh, including, you know, big public listed companies and so on. Um, so uh, I think that uh, we're counting on uh, on that kind of seeing similar kind of growth in the new branches, uh, which will drive uh, our main growth. Because here in the Klang Valley, we are already quite large. I think we command uh, right now around 25, 30% market market share. Uh, it's not like we can't grow here. Yes, we can grow, but probably not like uh, 15 times in two years anymore. Not the hockey stick that you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Um, what kind of payback period, Paul, are you looking at? 
uh, payback period for the investments. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, we actually think that uh, every um, every branch can be cash flow positive within six months. Wow. Uh, so, so you know, we are, you know, I told my team, you know, when the funding came in, you know, the day when, when the disbursement happened, we saw a lot of zeros in our bank account. I actually had a meeting with my team and I told them, guys, don't think that not anything has changed. Nothing has changed. We will continue operating, you know, as a bootstrap business. We'll continue being cash efficient. Uh, all the money that we have, I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready to spend all that money to acquire e-waste, to, to divert it from landfills. But don't think that we're going to do, you know, anything fancy. We're still going to run this uh, very, very tightly. Uh, so we expect every branch to uh, turn cash flow positive within six months. Uh, what else, aside uh, from growing your physical presence, what else are you looking at uh, else to drive growth? So... Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but we actually don't have uh, our standalone app, and that mm-hmm. is by design. Because when you uh, request a pickup for your e-waste, it's something that you do, like let's say once or twice a year at max. It's not a lifestyle thing. So what we rather invest our time and effort in is to uh, be embedded within an existing platform okay. that already has uh, millions of, of users. So uh, later in October, you're going to hear that we will actually launch a partnership with a, a, a sizable player that has more than 10 million on their platform. And you will be able to book a pickup uh, directly from their uh, platform, and Earth Heroes will fulfill that. More than ten million on their yeah. platform. There isn't many of those. E-wallet. <laughs> I'm going to guess either TNG or Grab, but we'll wait and see. Um, so. Well, what else? Uh, actually, I didn't ask you this. How much did you raise with, from Dana Impact? Can you tell us anything um, about that? So, so you know, typically, we, to be honest, uh, as I said, we didn't raise the money that, that uh, we needed to survive. We just raised enough money to roll out the branches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was very strategic. And uh, it is not a Series A round. Uh, it's a strategic round. So normally, uh, if it's a Series A, let's say it's uh, 5 to $10 million. This is not uh, that kind mm-hmm. of funding. It's a strategic round. So uh, if you want a ballpark figure, you Usually it is around one million or or thereabout. And are you looking to USD, be USD? USD. Yeah. And are you looking to be raising more money as you and and for what purposes? Because you look like you sound like someone who's the funding is being pegged as always like bookmarked for something in particular. Exactly, that's exactly right. So so for us, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, you never say uh, I'm not fundraising. You, you're always welcome <laughs> new money coming in because you can accelerate faster, you can grow uh, to bigger uh, bigger ambition and so on. So right now we have enough money to fulfill completely 100% of our ambition. Uh, nationwide in Malaysia. But we don't have money if we want to expand to other countries. So if new money comes in, let's say 12 months, 24 months down the line, then we'll start to think of other countries, you know, Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, etc. So uh, more money comes in, then we start to think global, etc. But I do think that we will continue to focus on Southeast Asia for the next five years because Grab has shown us that you can still be a tremendously successful uh, by just focusing on this region. It's really one of the best regions of the world to be building companies in. And um, how quick, I guess, uh, how much are, are you in a rush to expand this beyond Malaysian borders? Uh, because you, yes, you've made it known that money comes in, mm. you'll expand. But if money comes in tomorrow for this, are you ready to expand beyond borders? Look, uh, the global e-waste monitor estimates that uh, there is the global recycling rate, as you said, is around 17%. Uh, that means that there is like more than 50 billion US dollars wasted every single year in landfills. Uh, so it's not like the demand isn't there. This is a problem problem that exists in like 200 countries around the world. Uh, so it's just, uh, yes, we can expand. You know, if, if, if we have big backers and they say, hey, I'll give you enough money to go to 10 countries. Yes, we can do that. 20 countries can, 50, 100, 
all of that can do, but I'm not sure we want to do it uh, on a hands-on basis, like fully uh, we would launch an office and operate the whole thing. I think that at some point we will prioritize the countries where we're operating, but then the rest we will operate as a franchise model. So we just give our digital platform, our naming rights, and then let some local entrepreneur in Brazil, for example, do an Earth-style collection, but then help them with the supply chain, digital side, and so on. You noted earlier that if your gross margins, if your marketing budget isn't fully expended, is about 60%. Plus yeah. But what is it on average right now? Your gross uh, margins. So we 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 keep our eye uh, on the fifty percent mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get very very nervous, concerned. Uh, yeah, very concerned, <laughs> very sensitive. If uh, if the the gross margin uh, drops below fifty percent on any given month, so that is really actually my danger zone. I want to keep it above fifty percent at all costs. And you know how are you thinking about the balance between uh, achieving long term profitability versus growing? Because that's a key concern for a lot of in this current climate, at least. Okay, so the good news here is that. Uh, ESG and sustainability is the flavor of the decade. Mm -hmm. So it means that you can partner with large organizations. I mean, just look at who we've worked with. You know, in 2020, when we were one year old, we uh, worked with DHL. And then a year later, we worked with Hongleong Bank. A year later, we worked with Maxis. These are like some of the largest organizations in the country, and they have convening power over millions of people. They they can really amplify our message significantly without us having to spend all of that money. So we're just being smart about it, how to get our message out there without actually uh, doing it from our bottom line. Right. And a timeline to sustainable profit uh, sustained profitability long term because you're cash, you're cash flow positive now yeah uh, but on the net basis I presume that you're still no burning. no we already recovered all the money that was spent in the business yeah uh, wow. we, I told you when we get got this money the money that we raised in 2021 for scale up and quest we still had it in the bank mm-hmm. so we were growing the last four years completely from our profits now the the Dana impact fund has that has a social has a nation building element to it as well right um, what have Gobi or Kazana communicated about the expectations from Earth? So I think uh, everyone clearly sees that this is a service that has already proven uh, that it works. Uh, it is a superior model. It's an innovation. Uh, it's also digitalizing, uh, you know, kind of a very traditional business, which is the recycling industry. So I think that uh, the message was clear is that uh, Mo. We need this to be nationwide, it, it pref- preferably also, you know, on the other side, you know, in East Malaysia. So, so we have also plans for that, but maybe not on demand because there is some challenges in terms of, you know, the distances that drivers have to, uh, our heroes have to drive, you know, and so on to 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 get like a meaningful, uh, you know, living uh, living wage from from this this uh, work uh, when you drive a lot. Here you have density, so you can like go to Shah Alam. You already do like five orders Shah Alam, five orders in PJ. Okay, already you have a great payday and then you can come back to our warehouse and drop. But in East Malaysia, there are more challenges uh, in that regard. So we have to innovate and find out another way to engage uh, populations in that area. But in terms of peninsula, I think the entire peninsula can can have the on-demand service. You've been building this now for about four years, yeah. five years if we include the time you dropped, yeah. you started in Malaysia, you came to Malaysia. Uh, average exit time in Malaysia, it seems, uh, according to Startup Genome, is around 8.1 years. Mm. Um, what do you think is the most likely kind of exit for this business? IPO, M&A, retail? Look, uh, look uh, if, uh, if you're asking about the timeline, I, 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 you know, look, I'm doing what I enjoy, so I'm not actually uh, spending a, like a daily thinking about this or anything like that. But you know, our investors, you know, uh, probably have an investment horizon and they do want to have an exit at some point. So I do have to uh, think about it. Uh, so I think that uh, any entity that brings in a lot of new devices into the market will have every reason to also control the take back of those devices two years down the line because the legislation is changing. 
changing. They're going to have take back quotas. So uh, let's say, you know, you're bringing in a million TVs in the market under your brand and then you have a take back quota of 25 percent. So you need to uh, collect back 250,000 TVs. You have two reasons uh, to control that part. Number one, to, of course, regulatory compliance. And then number two, you want to be there while those 250,000 TVs are being disposed so you can pitch a new uh, TV from your brand uh, to the same consumer. Uh, so I believe that it is the, the the companies that are driving the technology into the market have every reason to also control the take back down the line. So these are potentially uh, some of the acquirers that could be interested in this business. Mo, four years in, five years from now, what do you see Earth looking like? So five years from now, I see us as um, a giant in Southeast Asia and started to uh, export our innovation to other countries by means of a franchise model. Uh, and uh, we really move the needle, uh, push the Malaysia recycling rate from 25% or uh, roughly around 25 to 30% where it is now, up, uh, upwards of 50%. And that would if the other nations, you know, kind of uh, stick to where they are now, would make Malaysia number one in e-waste recycling in Southeast Asia. Mo, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Folks, I've been speaking with Mohamed Mo Tarek El Fatadri. He's the co-founder of Electronic Recycling Through Heroes or Earth. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.